This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another edition of the Author You uh, your guide to book publishing podcast, and every once in a while, when we have one of our guests on, that we know that that wait, 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 there's more we need to get into. <laughs> and last week, we absolutely had one of those wait, 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 there's more we need to do. We were talking about book reviews and the inside skinny of book reviews with the really the master of so many book reviews for not not just a few authors, but we're talking thousands of authors over the years. Jim Cox is with us. He is a visionary, the creator of the Midwest Book Review that started as a small radio show that they brought him in to talk for a few minutes. And you'll quickly learn <laughs> that there is more than a few minutes in Jim Cox's repertoire. So then it evolved to a television show, and now it is sitting with nine separate book review channels, from children's to, you know, the uh, small press, to things that are exclusive to his neck of the woods in Wisconsin, to California, to all over Timbuktu. In other words, this show is for you if you want to snap, crackle, and pop in the book review world. So as you listen, as we go through, you're going to hear, you better get out your pen, by the way. <laughs> All right, so you're going to get a lot of ahas. You're going to get buku insights and tips for your author success. And with that, Jim, welcome back <laughs> to the Author You podcast. <laughs> you know, you're reminding me that I, I used to go around the country uh, giving uh, talks at writer and publisher conventions. Mm-hmm. And I would be standing it up at the podium speaking, and I would look over an audience that was standing room only, and all I could see were the tops of their heads as they bowed over, writing madly the stuff I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. So oh. here you, we've, got, we've got my match in motor-mouthing. And okay. Jim is, Jim is here. With, yeah, with and this book system works. All right. So and then go on to uh, the rules regarding yeah. review copies, how to create a customized book reviewer database, and the issues surrounding defacing review copies. All right. And so, now you're all going to wonder, what does he mean by defacing? We will tell you as we yep. go along. So, Jim, let's start at the top of your laundry list for our hour. That, oh, so okay. What, what is the book review system, and how does it work, and how should we authors be working with it? You're on. Oh, okay, I'm going to use the Midwest Book Review to illustrate the points I'd like to emphasize and, and explain, especially for those new to publishing. How mm-hmm. the book review system works, and sometimes 
fails to work. Mm. A good review placed in the hands of the reading public by a competent reviewer is the most effective and least expensive publicity promotion instrument available to the independent publisher and the small and the self-published author. But this is an example of what you are up against in order to get one. The Midwest Midwest Book Review receives an average of 30 books a day, Monday through Saturday. This extrapolates out to around 690 titles a month, give or take. So you can understand why I encourage folk who are members of a writer's or publisher's group or who are listening to this podcast to identify themselves as such when they submit their titles for review and thereby getting themselves bumped to the head of the line which is significant when that line is 690 titles long. Other book reviews, with the possible exception of Forward Magazine, do Mm -hmm. not have a deliberate policy of giving preference to the small press publisher, self-published author. So it's always important to keep track of those reviewers for whom your book, by virtue of its theme, subject, or publisher status, will have an edge over the other submissions received by that reviewer or review resource. Now, it's my job as the editor-in-chief with a current roster of some 81 reviewers to produce nine monthly book review publications every month. It's also my responsibility to initially sort out the books submitted for review and to make the review assignments, collect the reviews from assigned reviewers, and then edit them into our publications. I also post those reviews on thematically appropriate websites, news groups, and online bookstores, and send them for inclusion into an interactive book review database called the Book Review Index for corporate, academic, and public library systems. Incidentally, this Internet business takes several days each month to accomplish. And then I must notify the publishers and the authors that their books were reviewed and featured and provide them with a copy of the review accompanied by a cover letter itemizing all the venues in which the review appeared. This process takes about several more days each month to accomplish. Of the 690 titles a month received, about one-third of the total submitted get a review assignment. This is a significantly higher percentage of books sent to books reviewed than is the case with any other book review publication that I know of. Now, those that did not make the initial cut and becoming assigned for review failed because either they came from the major presses and got bumped in favor of small presses, came in the form of galleys or arcs when we only consider finished books, had truly inferior covers, were subjects for which other titles filled that month's quota of a given topic, were missing publicity releases, had been flawed in the printing book production process, or damaged by the mails. The post office seems to have improved lately, but still about one out of every 50 book packages continue to sustain some degree of damage ranging from minor to catastrophic. Those books that make the cut for the assignment but for whom no review is eventually published fall into one of the following categories. The book was found to be substantially flawed by the assigned reviewer who could not honestly recommend it to its intended readership. One of the things that distinguishes the Midwest Book Review is that we only publish reviews that approve the book and recommend it to its intended readership 
as well as bookstore retailers, librarians, parents, and teachers. These disqualifying flaws could be in the writing, the organization, especially for nonfiction, or the production values of the book's creation, that is, the binding so poor that it would not hold up, important for children's hardcovers, or the availability of other books covering the same topic that are better or more comprehensively written, again, especially important with respect to nonfiction. The reviewer submitted a review that, itself, was flawed in the judgment of the editor. Anyone can volunteer to become a reviewer and have a book provided them to see if they can write a readable and informative review. It's actually a fairly skilled proposition. Some folks just don't have a knack for writing reviews. The reviewer never turns in the review, in which case it is their last assignment. Some folks just don't appreciate how much work is involved until they try to do it. And for others, becoming a reviewer was a passing fancy that passed all too quickly. There is no, a traditional agreement between the publisher and the reviewer, and it goes like this. Publishers have the right to submit their books for review consideration as long as they follow the submission process as set out by the reviewer. Galleys versus finished books, appropriateness of the book's subject matter, publication dates, and, and so forth. Reviewers have the right to accept or reject a submission on any grounds they deem sufficient. These could include such considerations as too many submissions to cover them, not consider them all, poorly written or defectively published, insufficient or poorly organized publicity releases or media kits, inappropriate content, inappropriate publication date, too many books on a particular theme. A better book on a given topic is already in hand. The reviewer is having a bad hair day, etc. <laughs> ad nauseum. The publisher has the right to a follow-up contact with the reviewer after submitting a book for review in order to ascertain, one, that the book arrived safely, two, the status of the book with respect to the review process, and three, ascertain if there is any further information or assistance that the publisher can provide the reviewer. Once a book is reviewed, the publisher has a right to the copy of the review, which is to be provided to them by the reviewer or his or her editor. There is no corresponding obligation to inform the publisher that their book has been rejected for a review. The absence of any tear sheet is deemed sufficient to establish that outcome. The publisher has the automatic authority to utilize the review in part or in whole in their publicity, promotion, advertising, and marketing of the book. This is the quid pro quo for having provided the publisher with a free copy. I personally appreciate publishers who notify me of any typos that may spot in my review, even with two eyes proofing and a spell checker checking. A correctly spelled wrong word still manages to get through now and then. You know, once I even used the book's subtitle as the title, and to <clears> this <throat> day I don't know how I managed to do that. Okay, Jim, take a break. We need to take a quick break. We're at our first break. And, and <laughs> Time goes by. 
Uh, yeah, it's it's tight. Um, and we will come back, everyone. What Jim is saying is absolutely gold. Yeah. I have to tell you, it's gold. And he is the only yeah. group I know of that I compare to Bill Gates, who will only do a review on a book that's positive. We'll be right back. Is there a book in you or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author You Extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. AuthorU is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, AuthorU is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author U today at authoru.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me again is Jim Cox, who is the visionary of the Midwest Book Reviews, which I highly, highly recommend that you all get get on their website and find out where they're a fit for you. Jim's going through a whole spiel of how the setup and how the system works. And it's really imperative for each of you to understand that it's it's for, for a really true book review who it, most of them. Literally, they get the book they and they give the review. There is not, I'm telling you, there is not any of the detail, follow-up, the posting back to support the author, the book, your success that, that Midwest does. I, I know of none that does this. So, Jim, I'm going to throw it back to you to let you finish this part. And I do want you to come back before we go to our next segment here and talk a little bit about because you you know you had you've got so much coming out here um about why the book is often rejected because people don't get this and and when he goes over this again everyone i want you to let your egos step aside please okay jim <laughs> yeah, go ahead okay let's, let's let's answer the question what are the most common reasons that a book fails to be reviewed one, it was not submitted according to the submission guidelines and preferences of a particular book review. For example, 
galleys were sent when only finished copies are considered, or finished books were sent when only galleys are considered. The book subject was inexpertly handled by the author. The book is flawed, either in the writing or as a published entity. Insufficient information was included with the book to complete a review. I can't tell you how often a price is missing. There is no publisher address, 800 numbers, or, or websites, or email were left off. No publicity release accompanied the book. Then there is the question of space-time limitations. Now, I'm doing a poetry column. I've got room for 10 books, and there are 13 excellent poetry titles submitted. Three have to go, only because there are not enough space or time available to do them all. Sometimes it's as raw as the flip of a coin. Sometimes it's easier because two were from Simon & Schuster and one was from Penguin Putnam and therefore bumped because the ten others were self-published authors, small presses, or academic houses. Our preferential treatment policy kicked in to make an automatic cut for me. Then, good book reviewers always send out tear sheets to the publishers. Mediocre ones will if prodded. Scam artists never do. Keep good records on the review copies you send out. If you send a book to a given book reviewer and it is reviewed and they send you a tear sheet, put them in your highly valuable resource file for future publishing projects. Send them a thank you note. Name your firstborn after them. And when submitting your next title, customize your cover letter to note how much you appreciated their review of the first title. And so you are especially pleased to be submitting this second or third or fourth, etc. book. If you had your book reviewed, but you had to prod them for a tear sheet, note that situation and put it in your, I've got to put a little extra effort into the follow-up with these guys file. But you still have a useful resource, so don't lose track of it. If you sent the book off and it's fallen into a book review black hole, never to be heard of again, then consider the following before writing them off. One, did you do your homework and find out what their submission standards were and if there were a specific person to whom it should have been addressed to? Two, having their submission guidelines, did you follow them? Three, was your book thematically appropriate for that particular book review? Five, did, your time, did you time your submission to a part of the year, read publishing cycles, to maximize your chances for getting attention? This is extremely important for small presses and self-published authors trying to get the notice of the big guys like Publishers Weekly, Library Journal, the New York Times Book Review, Bloomsbury, and so forth. Did you read Jim Cox's article on how to spot a phony book reviewer? If you didn't, you'll find it posted on the Midwest Book Review website as one of the Advice for Writers and Publishers articles. 
Did you do the 10 working day follow-up using Cox's questions? Those three questions also found in advice for writers and publishers entry. If the answer is yes to them all, then write it off to your publicity promotion overhead and move on. You may get some serendipity out of the submission further on down the line. It has been known to happen. But in any event, it's how the game is played and a part of your operating overhead. And put that particular book review into your only if there are enough copies in my promotional budget to spare a title will I consider these guys the next time around file. If the answer to any of these questions is no, then you may want to rethink your submission strategy, which is part of your overall marketing plan for this title, and, con and consider resubmission or just determining to do a better job with that book review the next time around. And, of course, there is the third list you should be keeping, the one of book reviews that are not appropriate for the kind of book you published, the scam artists, and the ones with submission guidelines so stringent that bothering with them isn't worth your time. Remember that pre-publication book reviews like Publishers Weekly and Library Journal are actively seeking for reasons to disqualify your submission, to prune down their 5,000-plus incoming titles a month to what's a manageable size for them, and it's not going to be anywhere near one-third of that incoming like it is with the Midwest Book Review. In conclusion, and I bet you were beginning to think there wouldn't be one, <laughs> book reviews and book reviewers come yeah. in the same three categories that authors and publishers are to be found. The good, the bad, and the mediocre. Publisher discussion groups like PubForum or PublishL are excellent ways to begin your sifting process so that you can be certain to target the good ones, know what you have to do with respect to the mediocre ones, and to avoid the bad ones altogether. Before we go on to our next subject, anything else you'd like to comment? Yeah, you know, I do want to come back and just one of the things that you said about the um, that book reviewers are actually looking for a quick reason. I, that quick reason is my thing, but they're they're looking very quickly what they can reject exactly. in their pile that is just coming in. And it could be that the quality of the book, and I'm talking about in like in your case, we send in physical books, correct? Correct. Okay. So, um, and in my case, when people, you know, sometimes I get asked to, to review books and um, and and I just say fine. Say I, I need a a physical book. I need this. That's one of my rules um, when I choose to do it. And I, I had one book that came in that had a um, oh it was a how to market and promote like a Disney type thing. And you know as a as a long time devotee is a little girl I have to tell you my side story at nine years old I got myself on a bus I lived in Los Angeles area at the time Jim I got myself on a bus all by my lonesome and I decided I was going to Disneyland and and and, and I did it I spent the whole day had a wonderful time my parents never knew where I was anyway <laughs> I had a great time and and the thing is I you know I loved Disney 
Um, and, and actually, Walt Disney looked like my godfather. I mean, I just thought I was in heaven. And the, the deal was that, so I was intrigued. Well, you know, from the get-go, there was just so many things wrong with him. And I actually wrote him and I said, I cannot give you a five-star review. I cannot give you a four-star review. Here's why. And he was so upset with me. So yep. upset with me. So I and I said, so you didn't want an honest review. You wanted someone just to kiss your ass. Is that what you want me to? <laughs> I so said to him. They're looking for free advertising material. Yeah, and and so I just said no. I, you know, I, yep. so I think it's really important to understand that there people are looking, and for me. It is absolutely relevant. I, I'm right now doing a judging for the Colorado Center of the Book for one of the categories. And how that book feels, how it looks, how it presents when I open um, between the covers, the, the visual is so critical to me as part of the overall process. So, well, look, you know. I'd like to uh, give your audience uh, a brief how to on creating a customized re book reviewer database of their own. Sure, I'd uh, love to hear that. One of the questions I'm occasionally asked is, why did I put into the Midwest Book Review website a section called Other Reviewers? Aren't those book reviewers, book review publications, and book review resources listed there in direct competition with the Midwest Book Review? Why should we go out of our way to make them known and accessible to authors and publishers? Uh, the answer is simple. The Midwest Book Review was founded in 1976 to be an educational and instructional resource for any author and any publisher wanting help in bringing their particular book to the attention of their intended readership and or audience, including librarians and bookstores as well as the general reading public. The fact that this is also the basis for our receiving two annual foundation grants is not coincidental. So I'm going to uh, tell, give you a simple method, and I mean it is really simple, to create a book review database of your own. You know, in addition, but uh, for example, if you have a Christian book that you would like reviewed for a Christian community of seminaries, clergy, or laity, what you do is you go to Google and you uh, type in the search bar, Christian Book Reviewers, and hit entry. Up on the screen will be a listing of reviewers who accept Christian books for review. If you have a cookbook to be reviewed, you type in cookbook, the plus sign, reviewers. How about a reviewers for the great American novel that you just finished? <laughs> Being stuck home in the pandemic for the last two years. Same thing. General Jim, fiction I, I, plus I, reviewers. Okay, so Jim, I need to have you hold on that thought and continue. But believe it or not, we're at our next break. Um, <laughs> I, I know it goes fast, so we're halfway through. But this is gold, everyone. That the the Google's your friend. Trust me. We'll be right back. <laughs>
This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. One of the things that Jim shared with me on um, uh, during our break that he, he literally... Um, uses Google all the time to be searching for these kind of things. And by the way, you should, I call it the Google. I'm going to give it a little bit bump here. I call it the Google as a proper name. And that going in, anything you're searching for, for when you're doing this dive down, whether you're a, you know, a, a country romance writer Book reviewers for, you know, plus country romance, you know, that kind of thing is what you're after. So help yourself out so you get into the right path. So the right eyeballs are going to say, oh, my God, another one. Like, I'm someone who loves cookbooks. I love I read cookbooks like a novel. Um, and that if I was a reviewer, that's what I would be after is cookbooks. But those are those kind of things. Find out who those people are. The Google will be your help. All right. So, Jim, um, any more that you want to add to the database? Uh, basically, it's so simple. You, you sit down in front of your computer, you get onto Google, and then you put in the, the, the uh, name of the genre or subject matter, make the plus sign, and then write, put in the words book review or book reviewers, uh, and, and, and you will end up with a wealth of reviewers. And then your only problem is, how do you vet them? Okay. Well, you vet Sorry. them by going back on the Internet to groups like PubForum or PublishL. These are online discussion groups, national and international in scope, of writers and publishers. And you say, anybody had dealings with, and then fill in the name. Anybody had been dealings with Midwest Book Review, you know, and and you'll get you know whatever responses. But that's one of the steps for evaluating, you know, separating the scam artists from the legitimates. Yeah. Now, <laughs> there's also another really important subject 
for the self-published author who's really up against, you know, the big guys. And that's the subject of defacing review copies. People who love books review books. This is a fact. If you try to take away a book's value before sending it out to reviewers, you will show reviewers a book without value. And a book without value is certainly not worthy of review. Now, I didn't coin that phrase, that paragraph. Linda Richards did, but she's expressed it far better than I ever could. And I've been in the book review game for 47 years now, seeing hundreds of titles every month from 1,500-plus publishers, big, medium, small, and minuscule. I have supervised what must be hundreds of aspiring reviewers over the last four and a half decades, and I can tell you that for the vast majority of them, Linda has given an accurate description of their motives. They love books and wanted a platform upon which they could declaim their views and opinions about what they were reading. Concern for the scam artist posing as a reviewer and ripping off review copies for sale to used bookstores and the like is very real and quite justified. That's why so many publishers end up stamping, clipping, or otherwise marking their review books in an effort to ensure that a review copy does not compete with their sales efforts or that distributors and bookstores don't return them to the publisher for an undeserved credit. Some scam artists are notorious. Others, especially in a large book review organization like the New York Times Book Review, have recurring problems with mailroom clerks that do their annual Christmas shopping out of the incoming book boxes and parcels. And still other reviewers simply clear their overburdened shelves from time to time in order to make room for still more incoming review book mail. It's no secret. Review copies are a form of revenue for some legitimate book review organizations in general and for a lot of legitimate book reviewers in particular. Pre-published review organizations dealing only with galleys, uncorrected proofs, pre-publication manuscripts, or IFP files don't tend to run into this controversy. Although it has been known to happen, it's the post-published review organizations for which it is a matter of perennial concern. Every publisher has a perfect right to mark their proffered book review in any manner they wish, and every reviewer has a perfect right to ignore such stamped or stapled books in preference to a book that is pristine and flawless. Now, given human nature as I have experienced and observed it in myself and numerous others, the inclination is to pass over the flawed and marked and stamped in favor of the flawless, the unmarked, and the unstamped. Because my time is limited and the competition for my time allotable to reviewing books is similarly constricted, and I have decided sense of the aesthetic that plays into my review book selection process. I do not automatically boycott stamp books. Indeed, when they've been accompanied by letters identifying the publisher as a member of the IBPA, the Independent Book Publishers Association, I've gone considerably out of my way to persuade my reviewers and myself 
to take them on for the good of the cause of small press publishing. You see, my reviewers are all volunteers, and the only compensation they receive is that they get to keep what they review and to see their review in print with their name attached. In my opinion, it is therefore comes down to a marketing decision on the part mm-hmm. of the self-published author or the small press publisher. You know you are in a fierce competition with other titles in those towering stacks of books awaiting review consideration or assignment. So what do you want to risk in order to enhance the chances that it will be your book winning out over all those others? Mm-hmm. For publishers with those very real and quite justified fears about being abused by the reviewing industry, and yet not wanting to lose out to their competition in the reviewing process, I would recommend the following. Do your marketing research about what reviewers and or review organizations are truly worth your investing the cost of a review copy. There are ways to identify the scam artists. See my article on how to spot a phony book reviewer. Originally published in the small... Well, the better you home your reviewer list, the less capital you will waste in having review copies fail to be reviewed and or being wasted effort and unfairly sold off. If you must mark your book, do so on the inside cover or the bottom of the title page. A stamp saying review copy only, not for sale, should suffice. This is because Any book that has its cover disfigured is automatically ineligible for inclusion into a weekly television show, talk show, the author interviewing. Well, that'll do it, Jim. You know, I, I think people need to think, so what's the cost of your book? If you've done a full print run, let's say an offset print run, and the cost of your book may be, you know, three bucks, maybe max four, depending upon we're talking about full color versus just interior black text. So now we're talking about a situation where some, you know, an organization like the Midwest Book Reviews, who doesn't charge, does not charge for their book reviews, if you make the cut, which Jim is referred to, if you make that cut, that one third blessed, that gets through the gate, whatever the cost of your book is, whether it's four bucks, um, the plus shipping, or even 20 bucks plus shipping to get it there with the follow-up that Jim's organization does that repushes it out, makes sure it gets posted out. It's, it's, it, it's visible in other resources. We're talking gold here everyone. I I want you to really understand this is part of your marketing budget, but that's why, you know, this is part of your marketing budget. This is an investment in you and your book success. So I wouldn't, and, and and let's go back to, to the 81 volunteers he has in his team that, um, you know what, if they want to resell your book for $10, you go for it. (laughs) I just try, try selling it for two or three bucks. Exactly. Um, and, and by the way, the the value of a reviewer or a review publication isn't just the quality of the writing in the review. It is also 
how large an audience or a readership does that reviewer have? For example, in the Midwest Book Review, if if you make the cut and get a review and end up in our publications, you have hit a, a marketing jackpot because our, yeah. every month we round up all our reviews and have a contract with a California company called Gales Engage Learning to include those mm-hmm. reviews in a book review database they call the Book Review Index, which is subscribed to by thousands and thousands and thousands of libraries and library systems throughout the United States and Canada. So, also we have a safety net I should mention, really. For any book that passes our screening but fails to get a review simply because too many good books and not enough reviewers, Mm -hmm. if that publisher has another review from someone else and has their permission to do so, we will run that review under that other reviewer's byline in our monthly book review publication called Reviewer's Book Watch for free. There is no charge. It's just and a safety huge. net that I created because most self-published yeah. authors are working on a what I call a shoestring or no-string marketing yeah. budget. Yeah. And they are. And, and you know, a lot of them, Jim, I mean, I can't believe this. We're now a minute away from our final break. But what <laughs> what, what, what I can't believe, um, I, I always say I can't believe this. It is it it is always amazing to me that the um, authors in the beginning of their journey don't get really the power of a book review and what it can do. I mean, you're setting up an unbelievable format. So this is what I, w- I would love to do when we come back. Um, that we I, let's let's kiss on maybe some of the rules of the industry in general. You know that we haven't been tuned on, we haven't touched. But I also would love to have you kiss on, um, and and go in in our final segment is what to do once you have, this is for the authors, what do you do once you've got this review in hand? Where do you go with it? How do you post it out? Well, first of all, you're going to put it on your website, everybody. Um, But, you know, what what do you do where you go with it? That's our final segment with the fabulous Jim Cox from the Midwest Book Reviews. We'll be right back. I'm Judith Bryles, and it's the Author You, your guide to book publishing podcast. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand and platform, and is a success. 
a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Final segment, we're talking with Jim Cox. We're talking about uh, book reviews on how to really make these a, a king point, a stellar point of what you're doing in your book marketing um, persona, in your reaching out and publicity. A lot of people don't think of it this way, but this may be the single most inexpensive thing you do to really get some momentum being built, some buzz being built. And Jim has dropped so many Easter eggs throughout the, the past 25 minutes of where things go and what you can do. Um, this is one podcast you should be listening to probably more than once um, and going forward as you do. But I, I just want to make sure that you the MidwestBookReview.com is where you're going to go. Make sure that you uh, download uh, in his resource section how to spot a phony book reviewer. That is so essential because there's so many scammers out here that um, say they're going to do this and they're worthless. They're worthless. So you got to be careful. All right, Jim, you've got a book review. That it's come in. It's happy dance time for the author. Now, what do they do? <laughs> it's it's a it's a a genuine fact of the publishing industry that self-published authors carry one hundred percent of the burden for marketing their books. Traditionally published authors only carry ninety percent of the burden of the marketing and publicizing of their book. So if you got a review, here's what I suggest that you do. One, uh, if your book is on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any other online bookstore, you provide that review for that particular online bookstore's website on your book's 
web page. That's number one. Number two is take a look at your media kit. That a media kit should contain a publicity release, uh, whatever reviews that you manage to garner, and then to whomever you would send that media kit to, include that review. Now, a lot of reviewers, and I must say I'm one of them, don't pay any attention to other people's reviews of a book that I've been handed for a critique or an assessment of my own. But media kits can also go or publish uh, part of your marketing campaign to libraries and bookstores. So you accompany that review you got with a cover letter. And that's basically your media kit for libraries and bookstores. Uh, if you go uh, on book tours, uh, take copies of those reviews and hand them to the people that will be interviewing you on radio or television, or have them handy when you're giving a bookstore talk or, or you're speaking at a library, you know, those kinds of, of public uh, relations events. You know, Jim, let me add on. Here's what I would do, everyone. If you've got a, a really stellar book review, number one, I would do the foam board trico, and I would actually put or pull blurbs from it, from that, so you would have it on your book signing table or an event. That's one thing. <laughs> second, it's second, here's what I'd also do. I would copy that book review and do, don't do it on white paper. Oh, neon green would be lovely or hot yellow, lemon yellow, that it pops, it snaps, crackles, and pops, and it is on everybody's seat when they pick up. I'm going to tell you that will guarantee they will go buy your book. Just saying, just saying. And then uh, one other uh, tip I would have, especially self-published authors in small communities, if you have a local community news newspaper, Send that review along with a cover letter uh, and see if they won't run it for you because you are a local author. And most of them will because they're looking for basically fodder for their weekly editions or mm -hmm. however mm -hmm. often it comes out. Mm -hmm. Now, I also want to basically mm -hmm. provide a list of, of uh, uh, online uh, book review magazines that are used by librarians and if you can get a review uh, in one of these, now these are the big boys, Forward Review, Kirkus mm -hmm. Review, Library Journal, uh, New York Times Book Review, Publisher Weekly, and the School Library Journal. Uh, these have tremendous reach because remember what I said, it's not only the quality of the review, but it's that reviewer or review organization's audience or readership size. For example, uh, we have, uh, I write a monthly column of, of advice, you know, tips, tricks, and techniques for marketing books for the publishing industry called the Jim Cox Report. It's free. Anybody can just uh, sign up for it by sending me their email address and asking. And all of the Jim Cox reports that I've done over the last five or six years are archived on the Midwest Book Review website uh, called the Jim Cox Report. 
And interestingly, my managing editor, which is my 47-year-old daughter, and I'm the editor she mostly manages, also writes a (laughs) column for the publishing industry with her take on advice for writers and publishers on what to do with reviews and their books and how to approach libraries for a, a marketing campaign and things like that. And then finally, there's no need to invent the wheel. Because uh, we archive all of the books that I've ever reviewed on writing and publishing on the Midwest Book Review website. It's called Books uh, for Publishers, or or no, the Publisher's Bookshelf. And you click on the Publisher's Bookshelf, and you'll see hundreds of of reviews of hundreds of how-to books on this, this particular topic. And just go down the list, and when you see one that that looks interesting, uh, you'll read the review. Then you can, especially for you folks on a tight budget, go down to your local community library and ask them to get you a copy of that book. Just write down the title, the author, the publisher, the ISBN number, and they can get it for you for free on the interlibrary loan system. And so... Being a self-published author or a small press publisher, you have to continually learning uh, uh, new tricks and old tricks and and reinventing tricks. And these how-to books are all accessible for your own uh, uh, do-it-yourself, on-the-job learning uh, process. Um, Oh, and by the way, my host to whom I've been speaking with is one of the best in the business when it comes to providing practical, real-world how-to instructional guides and manuals in the field of writing and publishing. By the way, she didn't know I was going to say that. I I, I didn't. You caught me off guard. Here I'm writing you a little note. Sign me up for the Jim Cox report. And (laughs) we're doing this. Hey, Jim, I want to add on one other thing about libraries that um, you open the door because here's what's really important, that part of your marketing program for all of you is because I'm a huge fan of libraries for, for a variety of reasons. We use them for our meetings, for the Author You community. Um, but this, that, uh, I remember having dinner with Ray Bradbury one night and Ray Bradbury, the wonderful sci-fi writer and visionary. And, you know, his idea about education, Jim, was that if you just lock children in the library and then at the age of 18, open the doors, they're already educated. (laughs) And I I never forgot that. I, I never forgot that. Um, that libraries are just such a, they are A plus, like a blood type A plus, and you want to support them. And one of the things is to support yourself is you can get individuals, get people who are your fans, your friends, to request your book at their library. If they get enough requests, guess what's going to happen? They will oh, yeah. order. For, for many years, I was an acquisitions consultant for the Dane County oh. libraries and library yes. systems. And back in those days, if a given librarian had four requests for the same book, she would automatically order it if if it wasn't already present in their collection. And I I think that rough rule of thumb still holds true. It It is pretty much there. And the other thing is, my experience with libraries, they often don't order one book. They order several books. 
Well, especially uh, if they're large library systems. But, for example, the Oregon Public Libraries, you know, serves the, the little village of Oregon where I live. Mm-hmm. And so all it takes is three or four requests, and, and it's added to the, the next acquisition budget. Yeah, which is and, – and libraries, by the way, all of you, their budgets are increasing for not only print, but for digital and ebook audio. So keep that in mind, your formats. Jim, we have one minute left. Any last-minute nugget you want to add on? If you want to make a fortune as a professional book reviewer, here's the secret. Mary Rich. <laughs> oh, he's, he's obviously speaking from his experience. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's been great talking to you. And as Thank I you. did with my uh, sign off on my old radio and TV show, yeah. I want to bid you and your audience goodbye, good luck, and good reading. Oh, I love that. And and I'm going to add on in good publishing. So that's <laughs> um, Thank oh, you to Jim Fox. Yeah, and one anytime more thing. anyone has a question or a problem, they can always email me and I'll respond as best I can. No okay. charge for the service. This is what I get up out of bed every morning for. And there you go. All right. So go to MidwestBookReviews.com. All the contact information for Jim is right there on the front page. And to all of you, thank you so much for spending your hour with Jim and me. Your authoring and published success is always, always up to you. Your words matter. So let's get them out and support it. We'll see you next week. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryle.